CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Yeah. Oh, getting crazy. Sorry, sorry. Okay, could you clean up the mess? I mean, get a broom out or something. The show, I just get intense. I can't help it. Give me another car. <laughs> uh, something about that bottle gets me every time. <laughs> I'm a sucker for the bottle. Okay, that, that could come off the wrong way. All right, everybody. <laughs> it's good. Strong. Can we just delete that part? Uh, don't put that out for the podcast. I'm okay. a sucker. That's the uh, top story in the Sun Times. Ben Jarofsky says he's a sucker for the bottle. <laughs> hey, where's my New York Times? Oh, my goodness. I left it down. Oh, well, I have to go into the show without the New York Times. How about that? Oh my goodness! What are what are you gonna do today? Uh, well, it's official, by the way. We just want to go ahead and uh, give Frank the title of uh, song of the day requester. You know why I like this? Because he knows me. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, like he. Oh, I got you, Ben. I got you. Only sixties and seventies. Only 60s and 70s. Thank you, Frank. Yes. Every uh, now and then I get an 80s song. <laughs> so much like myself, Frank, several hats on the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> he's finding information for us on the fly. Now he's picking the songs of the day. Frank, we appreciate you so much. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for <laughs> Friday, September 18th is about to get underway. But first, we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as the Chicago Federation of Labor. Come on, man. (laughs) Benny J, your song of the day? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dancing Queen by ABBA. Oh, come on. Well, that's uh, 70s. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, cool. I was a big ABBA fan. I'm sure, I'm sure you were. It. What was that movie, the ABBA movie with Meryl Streep? I'm a big fan of that movie. Mm. The second one wasn't so good. 
Meryl Streep wasn't in the second one. But anyway, Dancing Queen. Yeah, woo woo. I don't know the words. Oh, really? <laughs> the Benjarovsky show starts now. It is Friday, September 18th. And live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. And now your host, Dancing Queen... <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Freaky Friday, and here's why. I'll tell you why, because baby boomers everywhere are freaking the beep out. I know this because I'm a baby boomer, and they come to me, and they tell me, Betty, I'm freaking out. Trump's going to win. Ah! These are, of course, baby boomers of the liberal persuasion, so they want Trump to lose. Baby boomers of the MAGA persuasion come to me, too, only they're not freaking out. They're gloating. They're saying things like, your guy's going down, because that's how MAGA talks. No collusion. <laughs> One thing baby boomers of all political persuasions agree on is that Trump is going to win. You can't find a baby boomer out there who's going to say Trump is going to lose, except for me. We'll get to that. Here's the thing you need to know about baby boomers. And I say this with nothing but love and respect for my fellow baby boomers. Yeah, baby boomers, please keep listening. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah, baby boomers. You know I love you. I'm of your ilk. But here's the thing, and you know this is true, baby boomers. With baby boomers, everything is about them. It's always been that way. It's all about the baby boomer. For instance, consider their evolving attitude toward foreign policy. When they were young and eligible for the draft and looking at get, getting sent to the war in Vietnam, they were leftists. They took to the streets. They let their freak flags fly. They burnt their draft charts cards Whew. and then the draft ended and the war ended and they cut their hair and went to law school and sold out everything they believed in all right okay okay not every baby boomer was like that but a lot of them come on baby boomers you got to admit this how else do you think ronald reagan won once and twice and how about daddy bush and how about baby bush and how about trump Okay, okay. A lot of you voted for Obama, but a lot of you are like they want you guys want a medal for it. Like, uh, I voted for Obama. You know, I'm not a racist. I voted for Obama. Okay, okay. Having said all this, D, I just want to say, not all baby boomers are like that, but a lot of them are. The point is, when it comes to politics, it's about them. Every memory they have is unshakable. It must exist because they feel it. I was just talking about this with the great Kenneth Davis yesterday. That show will drop sometime this weekend. Shameless baby boomer promotion. When it comes to politics, as I was telling young Kenneth, there are two seminal moments in the lives of baby boomers. 
1972 and 2016. In 1972, George McGovern, the Democrat, ran a very liberal plat on a very liberal platform and got clobbered by Richard Nixon, the Republican. Hence, the takeaway that baby boomers have, you can never, ever, ever be too liberal or you're going to lose. That's why they nominated Hillary over, Hillary over Bernie in 2016. It was a baby boomer vote that put Hillary over. You know that. Baby boomers were like, he can't win. He's too liberal. It's why they nominated Biden over Bernie and Elizabeth Warren this time. They're too liberal, Ben. Get over it. That's the baby boomer attitude. The second lesson is something they learned in 2016. Trump won. Their takeaway? Trump will always win. Their attitude is, well, he won in 2016, so he's going to win in 2020 because I remember what happened in 2016. Hence the freak out. And they come to me, of all people, looking for reassurance. Have you noticed that day how many people come to me looking for reassurance? People are always coming to me looking for guidance and reassurance on things political. Because I'm a freaking political junkie, that's why. Baby Boomer will come to me and I'll have a sample conversation to the baby boomer. Trump's going to win. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm freaking out. Ah! Me. Relax, baby boomer. Biden's ahead in the polls. The baby boomer will say, so is Hillary. Be scared. Be very scared. So this is what I tell baby boomers. Look, you don't know if Trump's going to win any more than I know Trump's going to lose. You don't know what the outcome will be. You can't see the future. So you can freak the beep out and drive yourself insane saying Trump's going to win. Or you could be like me, Mr. Cool, Mr. Mellow, and make the prediction that Trump's going to lose. Either way, it's not going to affect the election one way or the other. Although now that I think about this, D, if freaking the beep out motivates you to get off your booty and do what you can to make Trump lose, then by all means, freak the beep out. <laughs> Just brought back the slam yeah, for you, D. Karate chop that, boy, that uh, desk you got there. We've got a great show today, everybody. Ramana Hussein will be here, and she's not freaking out. Of course, she's not a baby boomer. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of political politics to talk about, city news, national news, more Trump stuff. But before we do that, the young man from home, the man that every generation, baby boomers, millennials, zillennials, whatever generation I'm forgetting that uh, Ramana's in that generation too. They all they all call him Doctor D. False. All of that was false. I'm Dennis. Um, mama, Wait, what was the what was the generation? I forget. Generation uh, X. Generation oh, X. Oh, we're X. <laughs> Everybody loves their generation. Anyway, D, what's the news? First off, Mama Mia was the movie you were looking for there. Oh, how did you know that? Song of the day. Frank, he's the man. Shout out to Frank. Uh, yeah, Mama Mia. I saw it. Yeah. Uh, Pierce Bronson, as I recall, was in that movie. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Two greasy corruption stories on the way, but 
we begin with the Illinois governor. The enemy is you. Oh, well, surely you can't be talking about me, sir. <laughs> Wait, how many times have you told you? Stop calling me Shirley. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> today, Illinois Governor Hank Type Millennials. Today, <laughs> Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker was in the Quad Cities. He visited the Martin Luther King Community Center in Rock Island, Illinois. He was there at 1030 this morning to discuss the 2020 census. Ben, have you ever visited Rock Island? Um, I can't remember. I feel I have. Hmm. Where is Rock Island? Well, it's a fantastic city. It's right off the Mississippi River in the Quad Cities. They have an estimated population of 70,000. And, well, Ben, based on very little research, their mayor seems nice enough. Update Rock Island. So we have Thursday night groove concert. Get your groove on with the class of 82 at Schreiber Park. Thursday night groove begins at 6 p.m. with the opening of food and beer sales. Feature will be Rock Island Parks and Recreation concession stand with the brats and hot dogs. Come out and enjoy the fun. Hell yeah, I like hot dogs. That's Rock Island Mayor Mike Toms from his most recent YouTube live stream Rock Island update. (laughs) By the way, Dia, I got to head out because those brats sound good. So you just handle the show today, okay? Whoa! (laughs) I happen to Rock Island now that I think about it. Well, I don't think I've been in it. I drove by it. Uh, Anyway. Drove by it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, well, what are you saying? You and me, road trip. Let's go to Rock Island. Get our groove on and eat some hot dogs, huh? No, that guy does sound like a, I mean, I don't know anything about him. I don't know his politics or anything. For all I know, you know, he, he's a Trumpster, but he just sounds like a nice guy. That thing about, get your groove on, man. 1982. What was I doing in 1982? I can't remember. Go ahead, Dean. Anywho, the governor is long gone from Rock Island now because as we speak, J.B. Pritzker is in Macomb City Hall once again to talk the census moving on and we're not to the greasy corruption news quite yet hang tight corruption lovers uh no no, we have to talk about recreational cannabis in illinois and this weird cannabis license story which may be getting greasier by the day the following comes from the chicago tribune and robert mccoppin amid a flurry of complaints that the marijuana licensing process is flawed governor jb pritzker's office announced wednesday that his team will meet those affected to address the issue pritzker uh pritzker pretzel pritzker pritzker's press office wrote in response to the tribune quote the governor's office is currently working to schedule meetings with interested stakeholders however meeting dates and times have not been finalized the goal of the governor and the administration is to take time to ensure that the process is fair and equitable state representative LaShawn ford said the governor's office will meet with lawmakers who objected the process including members of the black and latino caucuses many of the finalist companies involved politically connected or big money businessmen, including former Chicago police superintendent Terrence Hillard and restaurant owner Phil Stephanie, which critics say flies in the face of the program's goal of adding marginalized newcomers to the largely white owned industry. Yes, it's the story that gets Ben Jarofsky's goat every time. Go ahead, buddy. It fires me up. And we talk about this all the time. And uh, I believe that uh, J.B. Britsker should suspend the process. They should not have the lottery. Uh, And just so you know this, folks, the whole purpose uh, of the law or when they got to this point of uh, doling out licenses was to make sure that people who in areas that were hit hardest by the war on drugs got access to this booming business. And when all is said and done, 
what, 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 why am I not surprised? You've got these uh, companies run by white guys who are going to, I, somehow or other, they figured how to manipulate the process so they could get the license or they could have access the, the greatest dibs, if you will, uh, to getting the to the license to getting licenses and um it's not fair it's not right it's not what the the program was set up to be it's not what the law the lawmakers intended to do uh it was a flaw they should suspend doling out they should suspend the lottery they should not have the lottery and they should rectify this it's ridiculous of course as soon as i say this i realize if they have any kind of suspension of the lottery there's going to be a million lawsuits by these other companies so we're in a real pickle here. But it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. And uh, like Tommy Shuba's story the other day in the Sun-Times that picked apart this one company that had, I forget how many, uh, it's, it, has, it could get up to 10 licenses because the application they wrote, they, it was so sophisticated the way they figured out exactly what to, you know, it's like getting into college. You know what I'm saying, D? It's like if you if you if you know the system to get into college, if you play it just right, if you if you get someone to help you with the essay, if you yeah, I didn't have any of this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, if you, if you know the right person uh, in the college that you want to get into, you accentuate that connection. You get what I'm saying? Uh, maybe if you know, it's just like every system has its system. And if you know the players behind the scenes, you know how the system works, you're going to get ahead. And that's reality. And we have to put up to a certain degree with that in life. No, it's just the way it is. So I'm not going to weep about the way life is. But this program was set up to help people who were hit the hardest by the war on drugs. And I'm sorry, guys, I can't handle the hypocrisy. The utter hypocrisy of it all. And just, but just, I still haven't gotten over how we've just flipped on a dime and suddenly we've legalized marijuana. And everything that everybody was saying about marijuana for all these years, we're not saying anymore. I have a hard time getting over that, D. I know you're going to say, Ben, get over it. Ben, just get over it. Just, get just over go over it. it. <laughs> That's what I, exactly what I was going to say. How did I know you were going to say that? It's just like, wow, I just saw it. Ben, get over it already. How many people tell me that on so many issues? Ben, get over it. Just get over it. But I can't get over it. Don't you think there should be like a, like a year at least of reckoning by our country where people go around and say, God, we were total assholes. Oh, D, I swore. Hey, come on. About, about marijuana. All those years, we were either cowards and pretended we were upset by it. All the parents. I remember parents who were the biggest potheads in high school and college tell me very concerned uh, you know kids smoking reefer you know it's no they would call it marijuana uh you know it's different than when we were there what what's the difference although it's much more potent now no you were smoking marijuana sitting in the basement waking baking weren't doing anything with your life and then uh, um, somehow or other you stopped and you got a degree or whatever. Don't act like you didn't do it. And now you act well, very concerned. 
for children today or smoking marijuana. And then they watch movies where people are smoking marijuana. So I believe, and they think it's funny when the people get high in the movies. Oh, this is my favorite part where Seth Rogen gets high and he, you know, stumbles over the campfire or something. I feel there should be a moment of reckoning by society where we acknowledge how brainwashed we were, you know, how gaslit we were, how complacent and compliant we were, how we just follow along like little stooges with whatever the powers that be to tell us without any resistance. I feel as though society should have that moment of reckoning, D, but instead, what are we doing? We're giving out licenses to companies headed by people like John Boehner, who was the Republican Speaker of the House, biggest right winger in the world. Now he's not a a congressman anymore. Hey, I'm going to make some money on marijuana. Bunch of hypocrites we are, D. Sorry, got to say it. So until we have that moment of reckoning, I am not getting over it. But I, hey, I, I do agree with uh, the grumpy voice marijuana guy you were doing there. Uh, it is way more potent now. Oh, my God. It, <laughs> it just smells bad. No, <laughs> bad. you don't understand. It's, it's much more potent. Much more, grumpy much sto- more potent. Uh, add that to the, the catalog of Ben Jarofsky voices. Grumpy old stoner. Grumpy old stoner who doesn't. Uh, who knows they're off <laughs> shout out to Christopher on the live stream chat Christopher says it's a damn shame JB is okay with what's going on with the cannabis law it takes a lawsuit to stop the lottery lottery should definitely be suspended absolutely I'm with you for a while you know Lisa Solomon uh, kind of said Ben there's a lot of people who you know they've been waiting a long time and they just suspend the lottery it hurts them too I'm like yeah that's a good point, but I don't know. This thing is just so embarrassing. We should at least know who these companies are. Hiding behind the LLCs, the whole thing is an embarrassment. So I think they should suspend the lottery team. All right, now to our first corruption story. <laughs> We have a Madigan Gate update. The Ooh. time ComEd admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs to Illinois House Speaker Michael Joseph Madigan and his associates. Uh, It looks like the Illinois Republicans may have a bumpy road ahead, Ben, uh, in their plan to get Democratic Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan on the ropes right before the election. A while back, several Republicans, led by House Minority Leader Jimmy D. Jim Durkin, filed a Madigan Gate petition against the Speaker on September 2nd. And just last week, a special investigative committee began to determine whether there's evidence to support what Durkin claims that, quote, Representative Madigan engaged in conduct, which is unbecoming to a legislator. (laughs) So uh, that was last week. And here's a uh, quick recap of how that went down. (laughs) nothing really democratic representative chris welch stalled the hearing and basically said we need a little more information before we can continue this well here's the update the following comes from rachel hinton and the chicago sun times the headline reads u.s attorney spells out rules of the road for legislators investigating madigan go until I tell you to stop. Federal prosecutors gave the State House Committee investigating Speaker Michael Madigan's dealings with ComEd the, quote, green light to proceed on Thursday, but not without flashing a cautionary yellow light. 
U.S. Attorney John Lausch wrote <laughs> to the. <laughs> that was Rachel. Did Hinton. you say that? Was that, that was Rachel Hinton. That was Rachel okay. Hinton. U.S. Attorney John Lausch wrote to the top state representatives on the panel: uh, Democratic Chair Emanuel Chris Welch of Hillside and Republican Tom Dimmer of Dixon, telling them his office did not quote have a general objection to the House Special Investigative Committee seeking documents or testimony related to the federal probe of the utility company during the course of its proceedings. But Lausch also set some parameters. The six-member panel can't ask witnesses about their participation in grand jury proceedings or request that they produce materials disclosing grand jury activity. Lausch also objected to the committee asking witnesses about any contact they've had with prosecutors of federal law enforcement related to the criminal investigation into the utility or to share information learned from the feds during the investigation. And should the committee steer too close to his own ongoing investigation into ComEd, Lausch said his office, quote, might raise objections to particular testimony or documented requests as the two parallel probes go forward. Lausch said he was not currently raising that objective or that objection. All right. Uh, like most uh, political corruption stories uh, in Chicago and Illinois, it is very confusing, convoluted, trying to figure this one huh? out. And uh, he's just like, huh? What? Who? Huh? Let's just break it down. All right. So Michael Joseph Madigan, most powerful Democrat in the state of Illinois, Speaker of the House, arguably the most powerful uh well, he's definitely the most powerful person uh, in uh, Springfield other than uh, J.B. Pritzker. So he's number two right now. Uh, was the leader of the House when several utility rates uh, requests by Commonwealth Edison were passed. So here's the issue. Commonwealth Edison has admitted that they put cronies and pals of Michael Madigan on the payroll, doled out contracts to them. And they suggested that there really wasn't a lot of work uh, that these cronies had to do. So it's sort of like giving them a little, giving them a little bonus, right? Now, Michael Joseph Madigan has said, I know nothing about that. And I don't have any say in who Commonwealth Edison hires. If they want to hire my cronies and friends, that's up to them. If they want to hire Dr. D uh, to oh, write. They don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. <laughs> then they should hire them. Hire him. If they want to hire Frank, if they want to hire Brianna, uh, if they anybody, uh, any listener to the Ben Jarosky, if they want to hire them, it's up to them. It's up to Commonwealth Edison. I got nothing to do with it. That's Michael Joseph Madigan's uh, defense. So the issue for John Lausch, U.S. Attorney, is to find if he if he feels that Michael Joseph Madigan has. Uh, somehow or other violated the law, find evidence connecting the hiring of cronies to the passage of the rate hike. So that gets to the hearing. Jim Durkin and the Republicans, they see this as an opportunity to embarrass the Democratic Party 
make their Democratic colleagues feel real uncomfortable as we head into uh, the election season, tarnish the name and reputation of Michael Joseph Madigan and use it in general as an instrument to destroy the fair tax initiative. That's ultimately what this is about. Looking for a way to link Michael Madigan to the fair tax or just make everything having to do with the Democratic Party in Illinois, including the fair tax initiative, look as shady as this deal. So it's 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 power. It's a political tactic. It's a political strategy. On one hand, uh, I, I'm revolted by it. But on the other hand, I just have to say, you know what? That's that's smart politics. That's how the game is played. Democrats would do the same damn thing if they could, uh, if the roles were somehow reversed. So you know what? I can't sit here. I'm not going to be like a Republican and cry like Republicans always cry <laughs> when Democrats play the game. OK, not going to do that. No, no, no. I'm going to say I'm going to tip my hat. Here's my hat. Tipping my hat. Jimmy Durkin oh. is good to get a little tip the hat. That's, that's a smooth political move. I see what you're doing. I see you, J.D., over there. By the way, you learned this from Bruce Rauner. Bruce Rauner figured out that if he makes Michael Madigan the face of the Democratic Party and he puts a spotlight on all the heavy-handed wheeling and dealing of Michael Madigan, he could use it to tarnish every single initiative the Democratic Party stands for. And he spent a lot of money, Bruce Rauner, making Michael Madigan a pariah. So Jim Durkin should thank Bruce Rauner for doing that. And they're continuing on that tradition. And I'll have help from the Chicago Tribune, which will close its eyes and its ears to everything that Donald Trump is doing and pretend as though all evil in the United States emanates from Michael Joseph Madigan. Are they hypocrites? Yes. Are they frauds? Yes. Uh, do they have a double standard? Yes. Are they just hacks for the Republican Party? Yes. But that's politics. So that's the game that's being played. So I, in some ways, D, I welcome the hearing. Look for any information that could come from it. But you know what? You don't have to have an elaborate hearing with witnesses. You know the answer, Republicans. Go take a look at the votes and the rate hikes. Did any Republicans vote for it? Or was it just Democrats? Did the rate hike pass just because it squeaked through on the votes of Democrats? Or was it bipartisan? I've not, I don't have not done this, D. I've not looked into this. I, I must tell you, I have not taken that deep dive. But I will bet you breakfast at your favorite oh. pancake house. <laughs> I will bet you breakfast at your favorite pancake house oh, wow. that that was a bipartisan vote. Because I have never, ever seen the Republican Party stand up to combat or any utility company in this state when it comes to a rate hike. So it's like the thing that Madigan supposedly did for ComEd in exchange for getting jobs for his cronies, allegedly, is something that the Republican Party went along and did anyway. So you got to ask, what did you get, Republican Party? What did you get from ComEd for voting for their rate hike? I say we have a hearing on that too, D. Let's have broaden the hearing. Let's get, I don't know, let's call Jim Durkin. Test, get him to testify. 
Let's bring out Big Boy, <laughs> Representative Bailey. He wasn't even there at the time. Just bring him on anyway. <laughs> let's see what he has to say. See if he wears a mask. You know, just, just let's bring Darren Bailey out just to see if he wears a mask. So, I mean, if the rate hike passed with support of Republicans and Democrats, why are we going through this farce? Here's the reality. The reality is that powerful interests in the state of Illinois have cultivated Michael Madigan's support by hiring his law firm. I've talked about this forever and ever. So many downtown landlords who are Republican would hire Michael Madigan's law firm to handle their property tax. I could tell you right now that there's a basic formula to applying for a property tax reduction. Any lawyer can do it. If you hire Michael Madigan, you're just you're not you're not doing that because you think he could do a better job than any other lawyer at getting you a property tax reduction. You're doing that to curry favor with Michael Madigan, because just like we were talking about when they handed out the marijuana licenses, there's a system to the system and they're playing the system. So now they're flipping around and they want to use Madigan as a tool to destroy, to beat the fair tax initiative because they don't want to raise the rate on the highest uh, income bracket people in the state of Illinois. So I see the game you're playing, Republicans. I understand that's the game of politics, but come on. You and I both know it's just a freaking game. And this joke where John Lausch, the U.S. attorney, who is a Republican, he's like, yeah, he doesn't want to say don't have the hearing, but he realizes that if the hearing has anything of relevance to his case, it'll damage his case. So it's like, oh yeah, you can have your hearing, but I'll read it. The letter released by Republicans, Alausch objected to the committee asking witnesses about any contact that they've had with prosecutors or federal law enforcement related to the criminal investigation of the utility or share information learned from the feds. So you have a hearing, but nothing of substance will emerge. You're just having a hearing to constantly link Madigan to Commonwealth Edison and then Madigan to Democrats, and then Madigan to fair tax. So yeah, Lauschka, go ahead, knock yourself out. Have your hearing. You're not gonna learn anything about what may or may not have gone down between Madigan and Commonwealth Edison, but you'll embarrass the Democrats and you'll undercut the fair tax initiative. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's all about once again. The Republican Party is going to bat for the wealthiest people in the state to make sure that you, the suckers and saps of Illinois, pay more in taxes. And uh, Ben, I would take you up on that bet, but uh, I've worked with you long enough. You're not doing that. You still owe some dude a steak dinner from Jeannie Ives. Who's that guy? Uh, Cunningham. Yeah. State Senator Bill Cunningham. <laughs> He's like, where's my steak? Harumph. <laughs> Never make a bet with Ben Jarofsky. I don't even go to restaurants anymore, D. So it was a lie. That bet you just did. Okay, all right. On to the news in the city of Chicago. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. Today, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was at Engine 70 on North Clark Street at 10 a.m. She was with Alderman Andre Vasquez. 
Alderwoman Susan Sadlowski-Garza and CFD Local 2 Union President Jim Tracy for a signing ceremony for the recently approved collective bargaining agreement with the Chicago firefighters and public safety employees. Sue Garza. Wait, why was Andre Vasquez there? Uh, he was there. Was it his ward? Engine 70 on North Clark Street looks like it, actually. Yeah, it must be his ward. Yeah. And, of course, as you know, D, he's the alderman of what ward? Uh, uh, 40th. What? How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> and who did he defeat in the last election? Uh, O'Brien. O'Connor. Uh, yeah, very good for knowing that. For a second, I thought you were going to go Ice Cube. <laughs> Oh, I remember is, that one, actually. Yeah, Patrick O'Connor. Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, Andre Vasquez. So, yeah, must be in his ward. So he gets to uh, have uh, be uh, host the mayor. OK. And we got to have Sue Garza back on the program soon. We haven't had her on in a while, dude. She's very, very busy. She's going to things like the signing. Oh, I know why she's there. She's chair of the labor uh, committee in the city council. That's so. That's why she's there, even though it's not her neck of the woods. She's trying to get Gars on sometime. All right, and because it's Friday, something lighthearted and fun. The following comes from our friends at Block Club Chicago and Alex Hernandez. Neighbors were delighted by baby snapping turtles. Pin they hatched Thursday afternoon near you, actually, along the Chicago River in North Center. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that. At How did I miss that? I don't know, but you know now. At the end of June, female snapping turtles laid clutches of eggs along the shore of the Nature Trail at Riverbank Neighbors Park, just east of Horner Park. Here's Brian Holdampf, who lives near the river. Quote, there were like three or four nests right here, and they all just started hatching around 2.30 p.m. Thursday. Dozens <laughs> of them just started heading to the stream. And here's a random Chicago hipster with his thoughts. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, <laughs> some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Uh, you know, D, I'm really glad you're doing this story because this does bring me back to last year. It's like a last year's story. Alligators, turtles. Ah, the snapping turtles. They hatched. <laughs> we have a reporter in the field covering that. Yes, I used to have to cover stories like that all the time, D. Oh, back really? Day. Yeah, I covered like animal stories. They always like animal stories are big when you're in a newspaper. Like one time when I was a rookie, just starting out a long time ago, D, before you were born. And there was a, a report that I think there was like a, a, I can't remember, I think it was a wolf was wandering around. <laughs> I'm not making, and it's like they sent me out. Go cover that story. So I'm like, I was so green. I didn't know anything. And I was in this town. I didn't know. And I'm like, hey, I go up to the neighborhood and this, uh, uh, in the area where the wolf was seen, ding dong, ring the doorbell. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm Ben Jarowski. Uh, I'm just doing a story for the journal. And uh, have you seen a wolf? <laughs> Get out of here. Okay. Sorry to bother you. It's hard being a reporter. Got to ring people's doorbells you don't know and ask them questions and stuff. I give credit. Who was the guy that they sent out from Block Club? Alex Hernandez. Alex, you earned your pay yesterday going out and interviewing those people about those snapping turtles. I don't live far from there either. I got to go check out those turtles. You should have gone out and done an exclusive for the Ben Jarofsky show. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. D. I'm here to talk to you about your turtles. Wait, hold on. What's that random hipster? I've seen a whole lot of catfish and oh. some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. What you said last time. 
I thought maybe he saw a turtle or something. Anyway, go on. It's our second corruption story. Ben, are you fidgeting with that microphone? What's going on there? Sounds like you're dropping something. Everything good mm, over there? I'm just sort of moving around. Maybe I should stop moving around. <laughs> By the way, there's That's this a sensitive random... microphone. I got to ask you a question, a technical question. What? There's uh, just this like, random blue cord. I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. Okay. It's just plugged into your, your internet a modem. What like what is this thing? It's, it's the internet cable. It's the internet cable. But it's not plugged into the other. It's just plugged into one thing and not plugged into anything else. It's all good, man. You're good. Hey, you can hear me. I can hear you. We're doing all the right, show live. Right. We got it. Don't touch anything. Okay. <laughs> that's that's so baby boomer. I'm not going to touch anything. I'm not going to push anything. I I don't know. And the whole thing will break. Yeah, you're making, Help! You're making me nervous over there. Uh, all right. It's our second corruption story. Ben, I believe we'll need to pick that oddly gigantic absurd <laughs> Chicago political fact-filled brain of yours yeah. uh, shout out to the hitman robert hergeth for his hard work in the sun times today mm. uh, the hergeth headline reads x daily operative victor reyes once again in the midst of a big <laughs> political storm ben before we go any further like i said earlier i've worked with you for a few years now and this guy's name comes up in the middle of ben jarofsky riffs quite a bit so for those who may not know tell us about victor reyes Actually, I don't think I've uh, riffed on Victor Reyes in a while. I've, but, he- uh, I've heard his name. I've heard his name yeah. on on riffs. Uh, Victor Reyes uh, was an operative for uh, Mayor Daly, a very well-connected lawyer in town. I think Daly put him on the CTA board. Uh, see, Daly, Daly, I was, exp- this, this is, uh, I think I may have said this earlier today, D. D- the, the thing about Daly uh, was basically, all the white people in Chicago decided uh, that they could not have another independent black man be the mayor of Chicago. Uh, Harold Washington was just too upsetting to corporate Chicago and civic Chicago and the editorial boards of Chicago. So we, we, we needed to turn the mayor position over to someone that could just run it for like 30 years, take satisfy the big business interest build up the loop, pour money uh, into all the gentrifying areas around the loop, just, you know, make sure that the gears were going and throw our, you know, throw a little money out to the neighborhoods every now and then, build a new school every now and then and have a big ribbon cutting ceremony. So they, you know, Daly was the obvious guy. Chicagoans knew the name because his father was mayor and they figured, yeah, you just put Daly out there and they'll just keep voting for him forever. You know, they're just so used to voting for a daily. It's just a habitual thing. So that daily operation, you know, had a lot of different parts to it. And one part was like they would have like good government types that were in the part of the daily organization and they would get trotted out to meet with the editorial boards. And they would be the people that would meet with, you know, inter- interview, be interviewed by people like me it's kind of a sure the lakefront types that ah, daily believes in good government and then there were the guys in the basement metaphorically speaking you know the wheelers and the dealers who were cutting the deals and giving out the jobs and making sure that all the grease all the parts were greased and they had a lot of lawyer types and Victor Reyes was one of those guys, political operative, uh, helped create Hispanic Democratic Organization, which was a precinct operation for Mayor Daley. And so, you know, that's the role he played. 
And so he wasn't really one of the guys that would talk to someone like me. You know, he would, they would send Pete Cunningham out to talk to me. Pete Cunningham, a good friend of the show, comes, still talks to me. What up, Pete? One of the few daily people that still talks to me. That talked to me then, still talks to me now. So they had like guys that would deal with me. And then there'd be the real power guys behind the scenes, wheeling and dealing and cutting deals. And, you know, and all the like front liberals pretended like the Victor Reyes of the world didn't exist. Right. They wanted to pretend oh, it's good government. This, this, this mayor understands government, Ben. You got to understand how government works. You got to understand. So that was the daily administration. And Victor Reyes was metaphorically speaking, D, one of those guys in the basement cutting deals. So there's a little background on uh, Reyes. Uh, Hergeth continues, Reyes, who since has gone on to become a a powerhouse Chicago lobbyist, still likes to stay out of the spotlight. But that's getting harder as federal authorities continue to uh, to pursue their wide-ranging investigation of political corruption in Chicago and the suburbs, a dragnet that so far has resulted in criminal charges against politicians, including Alderman Ed Burke, been of what ward? 14. Wait, did he really say dragnet? Yeah, he said dragnet. I got to give him credit. That's a good line. A dragnet. That's a TV show, by the way. Back in the 60s, dragnet. A dragnet that so far has resulted in criminal charges against politicians, including Alderman Ed Burke and former state senator Martin Sandoval. Unlike Burke and Sandoval, Reyes hasn't been charged with any crime, but he or one of his firms has come onto the radar of federal authorities in two of the cases that they're investigating. Uh, And he has ties to others who have come under scrutiny as federal investigators plow their way across the political landscape in the city and suburbs. Uh, Those cases include Illinois House Speaker Michael J. Madigan, former Alderman Danny Solis, asphalt contractor Michael Vondra, ComEd and its parent Exelon Corporation, Safe Speed (laughs) LLC, which contracts with local governments to provide red light traffic cameras. Uh, Perhaps most significantly, Reyes's law firm, Reyes Curson LTD, and his lobbying practice, the Roosevelt Group, were named in a recent subpoena demanding Madigan's office turn over, quote, all documents and communications with or concerning the employment by Exelon or ComEd. You know, the, uh, there were so many investigations in the daily of, uh, you know, people who got the jobs that didn't deserve the jobs, the, uh, the whole system being rigged to help the well-connected, make sure they got theirs, uh, front operations, it sounds much like the marijuana license program. So in other words, to take advantage of affirmative action laws, they would find a, a black guy to put him up the front, but he wasn't really running the company. It was run by other people or if to get a, uh, a contract that's supposed to go to a, a woman at uh, own firm, you put a woman up there, pretend she's running the company, but it's really run by men. This is like vintage daily stuff. You know, this, ah, oh God, the, the nostalgia, I feel like it's 2006. But then he built Millennium Park. You know, and then Chicagoans forgave him for everything. Oh, Ben, look at Millennium Park, huh? Stop complaining. Oh, look at that park bench. <laughs> Chicagoans. So, you know, now they're outraged. Well, at least the Republicans in the suburbs, who, by the way, were also cutting deals with Daly. You didn't find one Republican who ever said a bad word about Daly. Bruce Rauner loved Daly. Bruce Rauner's name is on Millennium Park. He kicked in some money. That always kind of irritates me, D. My name's on there. <laughs> His name is there. 
always bothered me. Like they have the name and wall and Millennium Park of the, the rich people that gave money to it. Most of it was funded by taxpayers. Why does it say Chicago taxpayers on that wall? We're the ones who paid for it. But Bruce Rauner gets his name chiseled in the stone because he kicked in, you know, some portion of his fortune. And that got him access with Rahm Emanuel. So, you know, that's how our system works, ladies and gentlemen. But now the Republicans are outraged. <laughs> Suddenly they discovered corruption in the state of Illinois. Oh, my God. Where was it all these years when we were supporting Daly? Oh, I couldn't see a thing. I'm a Republican. I'm blind. But now I can see I'm going to blame it all on Michael Joseph Madigan just in time to defeat the fair tax initiative. And, and you know, Chicagoans everywhere are like, oh, yeah, I'm glad they're having a hearing so we can get to the bottom of this. But meanwhile, the same people loved Richard Daly and voted for him year after year. And, uh, you know, look the other way at whatever Victor Reyes and the guys were doing uh, down in the basement, so to speak, metaphorically. I don't think they were literally in a basement, but you get what I'm saying. We get what you're saying. So there you go. Two political corruption stories in one day. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I love it when I love it when the, the jail, you know, the cell. <laughs> All right, Ben, now let's get back to Rock Island, Illinois. Apparently, the uh, mayor, Mike Toms, has some breaking news. Rock Island citywide garage sale. Oh, Garage sales will be happening all over Rock Island and Milan the weekend of September 26th. All right. Rock Island Park and Recreation has an interactive map to show you where they are located. Visit the interactive Google map. Write this down, Ben. At... HTTP okay. colon that slash slash bit dot ly slash ri okay. garage sale garage map sale. map to view the continue the, to what? view continually updated locations. Yard sale, baby. Let's go. Come on. You, me, Rock Island road trip. All right. Hold on. Let me get, I'll see you. I'll be right over your house real soon. Hi, D. I'm here. <laughs> I've been to Rock Island. Buy it. Just buy it, dude. Just buy it. Well, we're going in it, baby. Come on. September 26th, the yard sailing starts. Get your mask. mask. Get your hand sanitizer. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Get us some good deals. for garage sales. Never been a big fan of garage sales. Yeah, I I never took you as a garage sale uh, person. No, I'm not a... But I discovered a love relatively late in life, which I was stunned to discover I had this love. For what do they call? There's a name for them. Uh, they're not car shows. They're prevalent in Michigan and Wisconsin, but people would take their restored vintage cars and they put them in parks. A meet. I think it's called a car meet. Yeah. Don't quote me in that. I yeah, think it's yeah. called a car meet. And you know, for years I just ignored those things. It's like what? that looks so lame. And then one day I went to it. I'm like. Oh, wow. This is so cool. And sometimes they would like very rarely, but sometimes you would let find one of the guys who owned a restored car who would let me sit in the car. Can I just sit in the car and pretend I'm driving it? Oh, go ahead. And I sit in the car. And anyway, I don't know where that came from, D. Well, but no, no. Uh, the, I think those are, you can call them car shows. People get it. And uh, I'll look one of those up. And on our way to Rock Island, maybe we can go check out a car show. I will, car meet. I will definitely do that. Okay. <laughs> then you can go to the garage sale and I'll hang around the bookstore. And there we go. It'll be a great day in oh, Rock Island. Oh, wow. We just planned out a nice little Rock <laughs> Island weekend. 
I'm sure they have a library in downtown Rock Island. Uh, maybe. I, I love know. libraries. I love when I go to a town, go to the library. It's just like my bubble within the bubble. Because the library, like the vibe in most libraries is the same wherever you go. So you could go to Michigan and Trump country, and they got Trump, Pence flags flying, you know, like they do in Michigan all over the place. But you go to the library, it's like, it's, it's I hate to say this but like the smart people or yeah, i was gonna say what are you no, implying they, there ben <laughs> i'm, I'm kind of just saying it like the smart people in the library and the dumb people are with the trump signs <laughs> so you go to the library and they'll you know God, i'm looking for a novel oh, this is a good novel they've read like uh, the book reviews you know what i mean it's just like a different world within the time it could be in a, any town in america i've been to everywhere i go pretty much d uh, if i have a moment in that town my wife and daughters are doing their thing. I go to the library. I'll be in the library. Man, I'm a weird guy. Yes, but we love you. All right, one more local story here uh, before we ride out. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Patrick Finley. Mayor Lori Lightfoot says, likely Soldier Field stays empty this season. In an interview on WSCR AM this morning, Lightfoot said that, quote, we're nowhere near at a place where we can realistically talk about fans coming back to Soldier Field. The Bears will not have fans inside Soldier Field for their home opener on Sunday. The team just said last week it hopes that will change later in the season. Lightfoot, though, sounded frustrated by a lack of communication with the team. Uh, Lightfoot said, quote, we're willing to absolutely work with the Bears, who's also, uh, she's a Bears season ticket holder, apparently. And she goes on to say, but they got to talk with us and be willing to cooperate and not just say things in the media. Yeah, well, she is a Bears fan. Don't you remember, D? Uh, the one time she came on the show, we talked about that. This is when she was candidate. Lord. I would actually, I wouldn't mind. I, I, if I were uh, to uh, have Lori Lightfoot back on the show, I wouldn't even want to talk politics with her. Because there'd be so much ducking and dodging. You know what I'm saying, D? We bring on elected officials, uh, really like high-ranking elected. The ducking, the dodging, the move. I mean, it's like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about something. If you're going to bring on a Lori Lightfoot, talk about something that she's going to speak from her heart and she's not going to duck and dodge football. Get her. You know, she's going to tell you what she thinks about football. She'll tell you about Mitch Trubisky. She'll tell you that the bears blew it. She'll tell you she doesn't understand how Ryan Pace still has his job. She'll tell you that it's absolutely ridiculous that the bears traded up to take Mitch Trubisky when they could have taken Patrick Mahomes. She'll tell you that. But if you ask her about something in politics, you know, you know, this and that, this, that, you know what I'm saying? If you have Pritzker in the uh, studio, ask him, ask him about his favorite Eagles song. He'll, uh, tequila Sunrise, my favorites. Is it Tequila Sunrise or is it Tequila Sunset? I don't know. Whatever it is. He loves it. It's Best his favorite concert? Eagles. Yeah, Steve Miller Band and the Eagles. Loves that band. So she was on the score. That's what it's called. The I know you're not in the sports radio. The score. And uh, she was talking about the Bears. They wasted their time talking to her about it. Who cares about whether there's going to be people in Soldier Field? Of course there's not going to be people in Soldier Field. We don't even have high school football. They should get her to talk about Ryan Pace, the general manager. You know, that would be interesting. So, uh, yeah, there's no uh, people at the Soldier Field. I, I still don't understand. Oh, by the way, D. 
Can I take this opportunity to promote the weekend's lineup of uh, of our uh, bonus guests? Because we have a hell of a lineup. Or yeah. do you have other new stuff that no. you want to put? No, I'd, no, I'd, I'd follow, prefer I you do that. I'd prefer you do that. Okay, because there is a football-related uh, aspect to all this. My dear friend, my partner in crime, Mick Dumkey, uh, is outraged about football on so many levels. And he announced, I'm going to talk about this with Milo a little bit. He has announced that he is through with football. And it, has <gasps> to do with, <laughs> it has to do with many, it has to do with politics. It has to do with race. It has uh, to do with hypocrisy. It has to do with putting uh, the, the, the drive to make more money uh, ahead of people, the health concerns. Uh, it's just something that's been brewing him for a while. And he just announced like last week, I was ecstatic when the Bears, still a Bear fan, despite it all, when the Bears were victorious against the Lions, they found one team in the league that was more incompetent than they were. And they, so I'm like texting everybody, you know, I didn't bother you because I knew you didn't care, D. I was texting all my friends who like football. Ah, oh, yeah, Bears, yeah, Chicago Bears. And then Mick goes, I didn't watch it at all. And that's when I called him up. I go, all right, you're coming on the show. We're going to have a, a discussion. and watch. Everything that's wrong with football today, how it links to Trump, the political aspect of it. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Uh, and we're going to have that conversation today at approximately five o'clock ish. D, uh, just write that down on your calendar and then we'll drop that one. I think we're dropping that one on Tuesday, correct? That's correct. Yes. Uh, so I'm really proud of that one. And uh, also, if I can, I promote another show. It's, D? Yes, it's the Ben okay. Jarofsky show. Go for well, it, buddy. Permission from you. Uh, Michael Thurman. This is a very uh, this is an interview I've been waiting to do for a long time. We did it yesterday. Uh, and Michael Thurman is the anti-war activist in California who uh, showed up at a fundraiser uh, that uh, Joe Biden gave in Oakland. I think it was in March. Uh, and he, he, you could see this on the internet if you want to. Uh, he called him a, a warmonger, said there's blood in his hands. Uh, and he was talking about the votes that Joe Biden had made, pro-war votes for the Iraqi war, et cetera, and so forth, uh, as when he was a senator. Donald Trump Jr. took that video, put it on his, uh, tweeted it out. It's gotten I don't, thousands and thousands and thousands of hits maybe millions, I don't know, but it's a lot, got a lot of hits. Uh, and uh, Michael Thurman just took the, he said, you know what, I, my conscience will not allow me to be used by Donald Trump in his campaign because he despises what Donald Trump represents. He despises what the Donald, the Trump administration has done to this country. Uh, so he, I, he gave an interview within these times. I reached out to him and he agreed to come on the show. And so we did the interview yesterday. Uh, interesting story from Michael Thurman, former, uh, he's uh, air force. He was in the air force and uh, he's now, a, he, he left cause he's a conscientious objector, anti-war activist talking about Joe Biden, uh, Donald Trump, the military, uh, and the fact that he probably, well, I'll let you listen to the interview. So I thought it was a fascinating interview, Michael Thurman, and that'll drop this weekend. Uh, and then one other uh, that I really want to promote, Leslie Harris, Professor Leslie Harris uh, from Northwestern University, a historian, and her specialty is slavery. And we're going to have a discussion. We're going to be talking about this strange movement in the Republican Party. They're the party of denial. And one of the things they're now denying is slavery. 
They're into slavery denial. They're trying to rewrite the history of slavery and American history, just to sort of write out slavery. They're not saying it didn't exist. They're sort of saying, well, it wasn't that important. It didn't have that big of an impact on our country. We've moved on from it. Why should we even talk about it? Let's not talk about it. Pretty soon, if the pattern follows, it'll be like climate change. Pretty soon, I could see a movement saying, like, it's a hoax. So I'll be uh, looking forward to that conversation, Leslie Harris, and how the Republicans are sort of rewriting the history of slavery to fit their political narrative. Dave. People, go check out those Benny J. Bonus interviews. They're available, well, they're going to be available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Saturday, Sunday, Monday at 5 a.m. And uh, we're going to be gone on Tuesday, but we're going to record another interview, a brand new Benny J. Bonus interview. Ben was just talking about it with Mick Dumkey, Mickey D. Uh, go download that as well, and we will be back live on Wednesday. All right, now, I've been meaning to play this all week, Ben, and I keep for getting it doogie on the live stream chat did send us a voicemail he has a random thought of the day and it was last friday but it is a random thought of the day all right so let's listen to doogie's voicemail and then we'll uh take a break and hear from ramana hussein here we go random thought of the day so i'm driving down the road in chicago and all of a sudden don't don't you drive over one of these real big heavy Steel pains. And who would have thunk about ever covering up a ditch with a real thick, flat, heavy steel pane in the road? So then the question is how much do it cost? And where the hell does the city of Chicago stockpile all of that? There's got to be thousands. <laughs> Random question of the day. There you go. Dude, he's yeah. random question of the day. No, but you know what? That uh, is, I hadn't thought about that. But I'm always going over those things. It makes that big noise. I'm always worried it's going to destroy my tire. Uh, and you know what, guys? Why don't you just fill the pothole? You know, the, eh, we'll just put this here and eh, this should do it for about a year or so. And you're right. Where do they keep them? I don't know. But that's the kind of thing in the old days. A doogie back in the 90s, these kinds of stories. Or somebody would, like you would call me up, and usually they would have some information. Like somebody would call me up and go, you won't believe this, Ben, but I, I was walking in the park, and I stumbled upon a shed where there were like 50 of these things. Could you write a story about it? And then I would literally write a story about it. <laughs> It's kind of what I did in the 90s. Did a lot of the stories like that. But, you know, I did so many of those stories, D. I learned a lot about Chicago. And like you said, it just gets lodged up there. You know what I mean? So then I know stuff like that. How would I know stuff? But I never did a story about that, uh, Doogie. So I can't help you there. But I do share. I do. I know that feeling. You hit that thing. By the way, can I just give a shout out to the city of Chicago? I've uh, been riding my bike a lot, D, you know that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's a stretch of uh, Southport on the north side that for about the last month uh, had been unpaved. And I'd always forget it about its existence until I'm, oh, no, I'm riding on it. Boom, boom, boom. Anybody who rides a bike in Chicago knows what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, you'll, you'll hit a stretch of unpaved road. And it's like the city forgot to pave it. Well, good news, D. 
I think the other day must have been because I wrote on yesterday. It must have paved the Tuesday. It's paved over. How about that? Hey. Your taxes at work. The city of Chicago is flourishing. Thank you, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Hey, fair is fair. In the 1990s, Chicagoans thanked Mayor Daley for absolutely everything. So I'm going to thank Lori Lightfoot for paving that road. If you're going to thank Mayor Daley for everything, you got to do it for Lori Lightfoot. Right, D? That's absolutely right. Hey, look who's with us. Ramana Hussein is with us. Ramana Hussein is with us. We're going to bring her on to talk after we take this brief break. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, September 18th. Hour number two is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ramana Hussein coming up. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from my apartment in Ben's attic. Hey, everybody. About voting by mail. It's pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote-by-mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote-by-mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit votemailchicago.com. That's votemailchicago.com dot com for call scripts and a petition one more time vote v-o-t-e mail m-a-i-l chicago c-h-i-c-a-g-o dot com to make sure that every voter in cook county has safe and equitable polling that's correct Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
Benny J, take it away. Every Friday on the Ben Jarofsky Show, Romana Hussein, editor columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, joins us. As I always say, it wouldn't be Friday without Romana Hussein. Romana, welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain. I have a whole list of things to talk about, but I'm going to start by promoting uh, something. I just finished promoting it. I'm going to promote it again. I'm going to have you sitting here as an opportunity to promote that uh, my dear friend and your dear husband will be a guest of mine uh, on the show. We're going to drop it Tuesday. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Mick is going to make a huge announcement uh, <laughs> that he is officially through with football. And this is a diehard football fan, Northwestern season ticket holder, uh, Bears fan. He played football. McDumkey played football. People don't realize that he played football, but he's through with football. Uh, Ramana, are you through with football as well? I never was with football to begin with. <laughs> so yeah. this is, it. I always, I jokingly said when uh, Colin, when the Colin Kaepernick fiasco happened, I was like, well, now I can officially say that I don't like football. I never understood the sport. So I never really watched it except when the bears were in the super bowl for the, so I, I I've been to super bowl games, but I just kind of watch it from the side of my eye. But the only times I really paid attention was when the bears were in the super bowl Never went to a high school football game. Uh, never went to a college football game until I got married. Mick dragged you to a Northwestern game? Yeah, it's just one. So far, I just went to one. But I, and I, I think I, to, I told him if I, he ever needed, you know, company, I'd go with him. But didn't happen this year. And, well, I mean, I guess they are going to have a season now, but there's no fans. And I don't think he would go anyway since he's done with football at this point. Yes, but. it would be really, uh, how do I put it, kind of hypocritical if he went to a football game after having officially announced that he's done with football. But, Inconsistent you know, would be a better word. You should ask him if he's still going to hang on to his Northwestern tickets because he's had season tickets forever. He I, well, this will be, I don't want to give too way, too much away from the interview, so we'll just let that okay. be a tease. Uh, but actually, it's going to be a... Uh, a, a lot of political talk as well uh, about football. All right, let's uh, g- uh, take the deep dive with Romana. And I gave Romana homework, uh, starting with this essay uh, that uh, Natalie Moore wrote for the Sun-Times, When Two Cities Bleed Into One. Natalie Moore is a WBEZ reporter, and she writes a column for the Sun-Times every now and then. Uh, and this uh, column, Romana, I, I just almost cheered when I read the column and I immediately assigned it to you as homework and thank you for doing the homework and reading it. I want to tell folks a little bit about the theme of the column and then I'll tell you why I was cheering. Oh, you want me? Okay. Sorry. I thought you said I'm going to. So uh, Natalie talks a little bit, you know, she starts off the column talking about how she went to uh, Gibson steakhouse. Um, I think this is the one in the gold coast um, with her dad and her sister. It's kind of an annual tradition that they do. And she, um, you know, she was there obviously in the wake of all the protests and some of the looting. She said that there was a cop, there was a heavy police presence, and I think uh, a couple of police officers had uh, um, come dro- drove by on their bicycles, and uh, you know, all the white patrons started clapping. And Natalie Moore, who's African American, you know, and her family is obviously African American, uh, they didn't clap. And she talks a little bit about how policing. And uh, downtown is always treated differently. And she said that, you know, 
the way Chicago should be thought of is as a whole. Like, you know, we can't just, you know, everybody's talking about downtown and the looting and how it's causing a lot of people to say, oh, we're going to leave. But, you know, she points out that, you know, disinvestment has been happening in the west side and the south side. And she said that when we worry about downtown and she understands that, you know, it's a it's an important place culturally for tourism. But she's just saying that we need to think holistically of a city as a whole. And then, you know, she talks a little bit about or she touches upon the entitlement of or the way different people, depending on their skin color, look at policing or where they're living and the way they look at policing. So, and then the way police officers treat, uh, you know, South side and West side residents, as opposed to residents who live downtown. So it kind of touched upon all those matters and just about the segregation of the city of Chicago and how everybody just kind of pays attention. You know, everybody pays attention to when the crime happens downtown and everybody's in an uproar, but there is there are similar similar things happening in parts of the city all the time and she's just talking about how the focus needs to be on the whole city and not just downtown and people shouldn't just you know the city and the politicians shouldn't just worry when things happen downtown it's something that we should worry about in any part of, of chicago yeah, that's a very good synopsis uh and uh, and and it's it's just tying in the larger theme very well done, Natalie Moore. Uh, tying in the larger themes that she was making with this vignette of sitting outside the steakhouse on the Gold Coast with her uh, her dad and her sister, as you said, and they're the only black people uh, yeah. in the area. And it's just she takes it from there and does I thought an outstanding job. Uh, the part, the part that really just like reverberated with me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, mm-hmm. has to do with the notion, the theme that I've heard a lot about lately, uh, and that is in the wake of the looting, there were two days of looting that struck downtown Chicago. Uh, and uh, in the wake of a pandemic, we're in the midst of a pandemic that's really hurt um, the city and hurt the downtown area as well. Um, there are people in the loop in the Gold Coast saying, I'm leaving. I'm yeah. leaving. Yeah. And I've been seeing this I'm leaving attitude across the board in America these days. I'm New Jersey just raised taxes on millionaires and the millionaires are like, I'm leaving. There's wealthy people in, in California, their homes burned down. I can understand why they'd be upset their homes burned down. I'm leaving California. It's like, you don't like, I'm leaving. I'm, and I'm thinking everybody's leaving. They're leaving California, they're leaving Jersey. Where are you going? <laughs> yeah, I mean, where, where, where's it going to be any better, you know? Yeah, and uh, I agree. But, you know, I've been hearing this theme for a long time. Um, we've definitely seen, seen it in some trip editorials the last few years and articles about how people are leaving Chicago. And that's definitely happening. But, and you know, let's face it, like you and I have probably talked about the problems that Illinois has had and that Chicago has had. But these sort of problems, it's not, you know, nobody's saying that, you know, there are probably certain problems that are specific to Illinois. But if you go to another state, what's going to happen? There's going to be problems there, too. You don't think there's going to be crime there as well? Um, you know, where are you going to leave to? And, yeah, I've, I've heard people say stuff about, yeah, I'm going to leave Chicago. And I don't know. Um, for those of us who have kind of were raised in this area, I mean, I was born in Chicago, but raised in the northern suburbs. I don't know. I 
I kind of sometimes feel like the people who are in the Gold Coast, they've got to be or in, in these places. I'm thinking a lot of them aren't from Chicago originally to begin with. So it's easy for them to say, I don't know, longtime Chicago and say that. And of course, there are longtime Chicago's, Chicagoans who have left. We've seen some stories about um, many people from the South Side or the West Side going to Atlanta or Texas. But I don't know. I, I kind of think sometimes there's a, an exaggeration and people like, yeah, there are people saying that, but where are you going to go to? You're going to go somewhere and complain about something there too. Uh, yeah. I think we're getting, or the issue we're getting at is the issue of entitlement. Yeah. And you know, I, when uh, I didn't really experience uh, the, uh, the growth and development of the loop into the Western uh, neighborhoods until I started doing my show at the Sun-Times. But back in the days when we used to go to the Sun-Times, you know, I used to come into that little beautiful studio I have that I miss dearly. And um, I would go to the Sun-Times and I'd see, oh my God, the Western edge of the loop is just totally changed yeah. from when I first moved to Chicago and it's a transform. And there was this sense of confidence by the people who lived around there that this, community was for them that Chicago they wanted to come to Chicago Chicago is a vibrant flourishing place way cooler than the suburbs McDonald's moved from the suburbs to Chicago so everything is like yeah that's the suburbs <laughs> I'm superior to the suburbs then what like you got a little taste of one night or two nights of yeah like someone a window got smashed and that's it now you're going back? Oh, that's it. Had enough. Can't take another minute of it. I'm gone. God, I thought we were so tough in Chicago. The tough Chicago Bears. Bear down Chicago Bears, man. Come on, Romano. What's going on here? Well, like I said, I think a lot of people who live downtown aren't originally from Chicago. But that's my guess. I should tell you that I was in the Gold Coast last week. I have a friend who lives on the Gold Coast and we hung out in her balcony a little and in the, she lived in a really nice building and, and we we're talking a little bit about the stuff that was happening. And she's definitely not someone who say, say is going to say that she's leaving. Her family lives in the area, but um, yeah, she said that, you know, I asked her how, like what, you know, if there was a lot of rioting or anything going on and she said it was pretty quiet where there were. And I'm, you know, to, and, and to be honest, I'm not, I don't want to say like, you know, getting your windows broken or, you know, having people looting around there. It, I'm sure it's a little nerve wracking, but yeah, just to get up and go, yeah, I'm leaving just after, you know, something detrimental happens. It's, and you know, and you know, God forbid, you don't want someone's life to get taken away. You can understand the feelings there, but a window getting smashed, it's scary, but I don't know if that would make me move. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It's just this entitlement of saying. I, I am feel compelled to say this. I'm not in any way condoning looting and rioting. Oh, I know you're. Not. It was awful. It was horrible. I felt uh, that story about the, the camera, the, the the man who owned the camera store. It was just. It really. I still feel bad about that dude. You know, I mean, it was a family-owned camera store. It got destroyed. So, I'm not saying that. No. You know, I if anybody know, says I, I am saying that, just yeah, I'm just saying like the fragility. Of people, yeah. like they got a taste of what what happens in Chicago all the time. I'm leaving, and then yeah. the city rushes to like the Tribune front page stories. Are is the loop? Are people going to abandon the loop? Editorials, like you said. 
Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. And I, I, in no way, shape, or form do I think that you're condoning it. But I'm just saying if anybody's listening to that and they're thinking that that's what we're saying, yeah, it's it's scary. And nobody wants their property to be damaged. But, um, yeah, the, I, I definitely understand the sense of entitlement. I know someone that I, I grew up with, went to grade school with, and it was just this mass hysteria. Anytime anything happens in, in the downtown area, she lives in the downtown area, it's like, Oh no! Look what look what's happening to our city, and you kind of wonder like, do you read the papers about <laughs> what's happening all over the city? You know, but yeah, you know, and and I understand when things happen in your own backyard, it hits a, a lot closer, but it should make people think twice about stuff happening all over the city or anywhere else. And I also think like you know, moving somewhere isn't the solution. Like, what if you move somewhere and then something happens there? You get your you know your car broken into then you're going to move from there you know it's it's and this is just like property damage we're talking about right now so it's like if that's enough to make you move i mean you're going to always be (laughs) vulnerable or worried about yourself because you could be a victim of a crime anywhere you go really yeah i uh i saw evidence of a similar uh, entitlement in an essay that was in the uh, Tribune yesterday. I can't remember the gentleman's name who wrote it. Uh, He's in the financial planning sector, uh, and he's the parent of a five-year-old, I believe, uh, in the Chicago Public School, and he was upset uh, because he didn't think the public schools uh, were doing enough to take care of the educational needs of the kids and that uh, virtual tr- uh, educa- uh, schooling wasn't working and they should uh, do more to open up the schools. And then he took the shot at teachers, like, yeah. which was totally gratuitous in my opinion. But this notion, like, I'm upset. I'm inconvenienced. <laughs> You should go back to the classroom and expose yourself to COVID because I'm upset. I mean, this is since this is where does entitlement come from? No, I know. Why can't I have any of it? I know. And I just feel like there's just a lot of people walking around with a lot of entitlement and it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And yeah, and that's some of the stuff that you are seeing with, um, you know, the COVID restrictions. I mean, not all of us are perfect, but there's definitely some people who are walking around saying, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't know if you saw that video of those kids running into a Target store in Florida, I think it was, without their masks, and they're all screaming about how everybody needs to not wear masks anymore. I mean, there's got to be something. Like, that's that's what, what I would call entitlement. I it, did not see that uh, a it, video. I'll have to send you a clip. It's just kind of, yeah, and that's what you see, like, the people protesting the masks. It's all about what they feel and the entitlement. I don't know if you saw that news clip of, um, I don't know where it was, but it was a two-minute news clip that was going viral on Twitter a couple, couple of days ago where people were talking about not wearing masks. It was a rally of people who didn't want to wear masks anymore. And uh, it was just, people thought it was from The Onion because it was just, it was just, <laughs> it was so out of, out of, it was so over the top. And you, it, and this is what people believe. And they're like, I don't want to wear a mask. And then this one woman compared her wearing a mask to what happened to George Floyd. She's like, you know how he couldn't breathe? I can't breathe either. And it was just um, insane. And this one old lady talked about how she want to wear a mask because you know who likes to wear a mask? The pedophiles or the child molesters that she's called it. So it was just, um, it, it was just insane. And, and there definitely was a sense of entitlement. It, it was just crazy. I, I missed that one. That sounds a little, <laughs> I, I, for a while I uh, was watching uh, with 
dismay, the, 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 like the, the hearing in Palm Springs, I think it was, where yeah. people were protesting, making remarks similar to that, like, I can't breathe, it's an intrusion on my, my liberty. Yeah, my body, um, my choice. Yeah. And now it turns out uh, that Van Morrison is joining this chorus. Yes. Uh, why don't you give us the update on that? Van Morrison, yeah, Van, the singer. Go ahead. Van Morrison, who I'm sure many of your, your listens, listeners are fans of, um, you know, he uh, obviously sings Brown Eyed Girl among other songs. And he's like, you know, hailed as a great musician. Anyway, he is an anti-masker turns out, and he is releasing three songs to complain about, uh, the um, coronavirus restrictions. And he, I think he, he mentioned something he called like fascists forcing us to wear masks in one of his songs. And, and it just, it just seems bonkers. So like he was trending on Twitter today too, but um, my husband, uh, Mick told me about this yesterday and I Googled it. And sure enough today he's trending on Twitter for his three song set that he's going to release. So I don't know. Every time you look somebody that you listen to, or you think you listen to an artist you listen to turns out to um, surprise you in more ways than one, you know, you know, know, Axl Rose, I don't know if you listened to guns and roses in the nineties, but apparently, you know, everybody would think that he would probably be the Trump supporter, but he turns out to be very anti-Trump and tweets once in a while. So everybody's like, nobody knew Axl Rose was the one that was going to be woke in 2020. Yeah, and that Van Morrison uh, would sound so stupid. Uh, and yeah, I, I I haven't heard his songs about uh, the mass. I may check them out. I don't uh, think they came out yet. I think he's going to release them. Well, uh, Van Morrison, shame on you because the movement uh, to to turn uh, wearing a mask uh, into like this right that we have is very bizarre movement. Uh, and I just, obviously it's, um, it's intended, it's a counter push, uh, against Joe Biden. It's an attempt to reelect Donald Trump, uh, because Donald Trump, as I've said many times, his ticket to get reelected Romana was going to be that the economy was booming. So then the coronavirus comes uh, and we uh, the con- the economy shrinks. And uh, and so now he can't run on that anymore. So he has to promote the idea that it's a hoax and we don't need masks. And I think that's what it, it stems from. And I, why Van Morrison would lend his voice to such a movement. Um, He's Irish, so I don't know. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but but... he's not, he's not in America, but you know, the right wing movement throughout the world. I don't know. Yes. The right wing movement throughout the world. Exactly right. Well, well put. Um, All right. Speaking of uh, ridiculous things, things that Donald Trump uh, has done this week, get your comments on two. Uh, One is Donald Trump's, um, no, response yesterday, people were asking about the death rate uh, the, in the country with uh, due to coronavirus. And he said, well, it's not so bad if you uh, take out the blue states. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what to do. You know, Romana, we, it, I, there, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless like I that know. this guy gets away with these things. Oh, I know. And, and the, the fact that he can say it and people are like, oh, yeah, he's on point. The thing is, um, you know, states like California, New Jersey, New York, 
these are like populated states. So obviously the numbers um, are going to be high in those states, but a lot of the numbers in the red states are high too. But even if he takes that out, I mean, why are you blaming the blue states for, you know, people are dying, you know? So he's just basically saying, oh, it's not that bad. And, you know, unless you count all these big cities that we have. So, yeah, of course. But it's like he's kind of like minimalizing the deaths of Americans while making these, these um, ridiculous comments. And, you know, and obviously anybody who pays attention to the news, if they listen to the Bob Woodward interviews, he did say that it was a deadly virus and it was serious. So it's it's like if you have a brain and are paying attention to the news, you would know that what whatever he's saying is just insane. And it's good that a lot of people spoke out once he did mention these mention the, the thing about the blue states. Yeah. And uh, the other notion is that somehow or other, uh, because it occurred in a blue state, he's not responsible. Exactly. Uh, this is, you know, like, well, it's the governors, those Democratic governors. They're the ones responsible as though he's not the president also yeah. of, Il- of, of yeah, exactly. Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Or, or any other big city. So basically he's he's uh, the president of the Confederacy. Is that what he's insinuating it just it's just like it doesn't make sense uh actually you probably i think you hit you hit the uh, you hit it on the head there with that one and then of course william barr uh you pointed this out to me i it's funny i've gotten so used um i've gotten so used to outrageous comments from trump and uh trump the MAGA hatters that he surrounds himself with that sometimes they just sail by me. Uh, yeah, and you pointed out the bar one to me. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. They say something almost every day. So you can't keep up sometimes. But uh, talk about the bar comment uh, yeah. in that a little bit. Just a couple of days ago, Bill Barr this week actually made a comment about how um, the restrictions we have due to coronavirus are the worst, um, I guess, encroachment on civil liberties um, since slavery. Mm. So, you know, it, that, that was, that, that was popping, that was trending on Twitter for a little bit too, you know, and the thing is it doesn't trend on Twitter that long because someone else from the Trump cabinet <laughs> makes a, another comment and then that starts trending. But yeah, that, that was said like maybe earlier this week, two or three days ago, but, um, yeah, that caused a lot of, um, chatter on the internet as well. And that, I think um, raised a lot of questions as well. And you, as you pointed out, um, what about the internment of the Japanese? You know, what about all these other things, you know, and not just slavery, but just, uh, you know. Yeah, I know. It's a Jim Crow segregation. Yeah. Uh, shoot to kill order yeah. from uh, Mayor Dale. I mean, you could just have a whole list. You could just go down a whole list of things. Uh, this this reminds me of Mike Ditka, the f- former coach of the Bears, bringing back football, would always be make, is known for making really daffy right wing comments. It, by the way, never seemed to affect his popularity in no. Chicago or, or um, his attractiveness uh, to, uh, to people who wanted to use him in commercials. So anyway, he made this comment once about Bill Clinton, the, the possible election of Bill Clinton. I think it was 92. He said that it would be the worst step back for the country ever. And I'm like, wow, ever? I mean, you know, then I just, I thought, well, slavery, civil war, Pearl Harbor. So for what I would be like, my friends, I would would list all the things that you could do the, you know, just like 
But that was just some windbag coach of a mediocre football team. This guy's the attorney general of the United States. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. It's like you wonder, like, it seems like they all drank the Kool-Aid, if anything. Anybody who sounds like Trump or starts talking like Trump or says things that they think that Trump's base will be um, enamored with and just keep going. And it's like, and, and you know, at this point, I don't think, I feel like, like you were saying, you, you can't keep up, up with this. It's like a lot of these comments don't even make the news anymore because there's one almost every five minutes or every day. So in a normal, if there was a normal presidency or, or in a, you know, quote unquote normal times, these kind of quotes would have made like the front page news because they wouldn't be said that often. Mm-hmm. But now you just kind of have like a top 10 every week. Uh, all right, so it's uh, we I, we agree that it's insane, uh, and and yet I know you have some concerns about how this election uh, is going to end up. I began the show by making fun of my baby boomer friends, uh, particularly the obviously the liberal ones are just freaking out. They're just they just think Trump's going to win, and uh, <laughs> they're. Uh, they're losing their minds at the prospect of Trump losing again. They're freaking out. You mean winning again? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, winning again, yes. Uh, you uh, are not a baby boomer. You're younger than a baby boomer. And yet you are expressing some baby boomer-esque concerns <laughs> based on your recent trip to Michigan. Talk about that. Well, I, I you know, I obviously didn't think, I didn't think, you know, when I was predicting, and I always say that I'm not a political pundit, um, in 2016, I was telling my mom, there's no way Trump is going to win. I told every, you know, people think that I, I know more sometimes because I'm in the news. I do know about certain things, but I, I, I'm not really good at predictions in terms of the presidential race. But a lot of my friends and family friends would ask, they're like, do you think Donald Trump has a chance? I'm like, no way. <laughs> and then, of course, I was wrong. And then, you know, there was talk about how people in the city totally are different than people in most of America. And as I said, I've mentioned on the show before, I was born in Chicago and pretty much spent most of my life in the Chicago area. I grew up in Lincolnwood, which is five minutes from the city. So my worldview is probably different than most people in the United States. And, you know, my husband's from Michigan and we went back to his hometown and it's a small town, but it's not like... There's like a lot of educated people there. You know, there's a good school. And I I was just surprised at how many Trump signs we saw. Um, you know, every, you know, you walk down the block and you see a couple or, you, you know, go on a walk. It's not like every house, but there was enough to make me think back and go, wow. It's like even after, you know, three years, three and a half years, there's a lot of Trump supporters and they seem like they're very proud Trump supporters given, you know, the signs. They had like these huge American flags and they had like this big Trump sign next to it. And, I, you know, not to say that people in the Chicago area would vote for Trump, but I think in Chicago or at least the suburbs I grew up in and the suburb I grew up in, um, if somebody's going to vote for Trump, they would never put up a Trump sign. Um, because they would be ridiculed or something, they would think something would happen to it. But this is just two hours outside of Chicago, and there's Trump signs everywhere. And I was thinking, wow, this is maybe what most of America <laughs> or a lot of America may be like. And I'm, I, even though I think that, oh, I don't think after all this that's happened, people are going to vote for Trump. I think people who really like Trump, they're still going to vote for Trump. And it seems like that love, has gotten more 
bold. I didn't. I think I saw fewer Trump signs in Mick's hometown in 2016 than I did this time. Is that right? Yeah. I, I um, see. My, my experience is that there were a lot of Trump signs out in 2016, uh, and there were a lot of not just signs. Trump's got flags. Yeah, uh, they, they're, flag, people, they're huge signs. They're not like little Biden Harris signs. You know, there were Biden Harris signs too um, in Mick's town, but they were smaller. And but, you know, my my niece that my niece lives in Milwaukee and she says that she sees huge, huge like they're not like, you know, how Trump talks about huge. They're just like huge Trump signs. They're not like small. They're like really big. Well, I I think this is part of um, the defiance. Trump supporters, uh, they're very proud of being for Trump. If you're a hardcore Trump supporter uh, and so they and they know that it annoys you and me and people like <laughs> us. So it's like giving us the middle finger. They love doing that, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it's just all part of the celebration of the cult of Donald Trump. Um, I I've always cautioned people uh, not to predict elections based on signs, uh, lawn signs. That's a popular thing in Chicago. I guess, know, I guess I'm thinking like a Chicagoan, I guess. Yes, you're definitely thinking like a Chicagoan. You can take the woman out of Chicago, but you can't take the Chicago out of the woman, so to speak. Um, but it is it is startling. I think you're you're absolutely correct. When you come, you leave Chicago and you go to a different world and you see Trump signs everywhere. As Dennis was talking, when he went back home, he saw Pritzker sucks signs in <laughs> uh, a, a lot of places. When you see the Trump sign, is there a part of you that gets a little intimidated or scared? <laughs> I, I mean, I get a little like worried. You know, that's the thing. It's really funny because when I go to small towns, like small town America, I get a little worried. Like even when I go outside of Chicago, I mean, there's been parts of, you know, when I get sent out, once I get sent to, um, uh, God, I'm like, it was a smaller area and I, I went to, and I was lost my way to one into a bar and everybody turned around to look at me because I look completely different. So I don't, I guess, you know, it's not like people are coming out of the house, but I just look at it. I mean, I saw one sign, it was like a Trump sign and next to it was a Biden sign. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if they're like, I wonder if they're friendly to each other. I mean, it just, it just makes it kind of, makes me kind of pause a little it does it does kind of make me feel slightly uneasy because i'm not used to that and you know again that that doesn't mean that people don't vote for trump in the chicago area because we know there's trump supporters everywhere but it's i don't know i feel like there's more of a oh i'm embarrassment but you know when people are bolding bolding boldly putting it out there it, it does make you kind of think and step back i i guess i'm not scared but it is something that i'm not used to so i just it's just something that i'm just like wow there's trump supporters here <laughs> that's the, the first time i saw a sign in michigan i told, i like i pulled Mick back and i thought there's a trump sign there and he's like yeah well there there are republicans in this town and i'm like yeah but still i didn't think there'd be signs so you know it, it does make you it does make me step back and think about i'm like who lives in that house or who are they <laughs> you know it's like and you know but there's obviously nobody holding a sign but it just makes me wonder who they are well, it's the flags that kind of made me chuckle a little bit. You guys, you really love Trump. I get flag. I'm not yeah. talking a sign. I'm talking a flag. And Trump, because I get all the emails, 
they'll sell you flags. They go, hey, you want your own Trump flag? $35 donation or whatever it is. Uh, and of course, I've never been moved to get one, but I'm like, oh, that's how they get those Trump flags, literally flags that are flying from a staff, okay? You guys, Trump, you Trump lovers love it. And yesterday, I don't know, maybe it was the day before, it was in the, yesterday's Sun-Times, I talked about this on the show, they had the, um, the rally for the police officers in Jefferson Park. Oh, yeah, I saw that. There were Trump flags there. Oh, yeah, there were Trump flags, which I, you know, to this, again, why why would you make support a police? So this, this is just pet peeve tangent. Why would you make support of police officers so blatantly a Trump thing? Wouldn't you, don't you want everybody to yeah. love police officers? So why would you alienate people in this town who cannot stand Donald Trump by linking support for police officers to this like quasi fascist movement. I don't get that, you know, know, strategically. I know. And you know, know, Jefferson park is only like, it's not too far from where I grew up in Lincolnwood. So it's, it's, it's like, again, like we said, you could step out, you know, this isn't too far from where I grew up. It's like, two minutes away, five minutes away. So yeah, I saw, I saw, I, I was looking at those pictures too. And I, it kind of made me step back and, you know, chuckle a little and, you know, and well, just, you know, I don't know if you saw earlier this week, but Willie Wilson yeah, got saw support that. for the police too. So uh, it's a, Willie it's an Wilson, interesting time. he took the endorsement of the fraternal order of police. Yeah. We talked about this in the show the other day. Uh, it was the same sun times. Uh, I like to tease my beloved bright one when they do something like this. They had three separate pictures of John Canizera, who is the uh, head of the fraternal order of police. Three. I counted them. Uh, and three separate pictures. One wearing a suit. The other wearing uh, just in the a, same a, story. No. Oh. One story was about the police uh, it. contract. It. There was a picture of him. Turn the page. There was a picture about he's endorsing Willie Wilson. There was another picture of him. And then, then, then there were joining that. There was the rally, and he was speaking at the rally. I'm like, what are you? It's just the, the joke we made was that I, if we ever, if I ever go back to my studio, I walk in, Canizera will be in there. It's, <laughs> it was a, it was a Canizera uh, fashion spread. Yes. <laughs> and he looked very dapper. Can we give him credit in that suit? John, you look really dapper in that suit. You know, uh, if he walked by me, I would not know who he was. So, uh, Well, yeah, I, I, I know him by now. Uh, <laughs> thanks to the sunshine. And, right. and his wardrobe. And his wardrobe, his ever-changing wardrobe. Um, all right, let's uh, close, as we always do, with Romana's uh, recommendations. Um, what do you got for us, Romana? Okay, remember how I was talking to you about Lovecraft Country? Yes. And I said that I I wasn't sure what I thought of it and it was uneven and it was kind of going all over the place. Well, I have to say that episode five um, this week um, that came out, I guess, over the weekend was excellent. And I guess you have to watch the other episodes to get to see where it's going. But it it was I don't know. I don't know if you want to want me to give you any spoilers, but it was really good. It was, you know, it's supposed to be based in Chicago. A lot of it. And one of the characters, I guess I'll tell you, because I think a lot of people might have seen it already, but one of the characters basically is able to um, take this potion and transform. And she's, a, she's an African-American character. She's able to transform into a white woman. 
and the whole back and forth because she kind of goes back and forth as a black woman and a white woman it's just very it was just very creative and uh just showed you all the microaggressions she faced as a black woman or and or explicit racism and then how she was able to live her life as as a white woman for those short periods and she gets a job at marshall fields when she applied before and there's all these chicago things so it was it was well, really it's really good it, it was I, really good it kind i've of been wanting to see it I've been wanting to see this show, uh, but you got me a little nervous when you said it wasn't till episode five. Usually I'm like, okay, can sit through that opening episode one, which is not that good. We all know that the first episodes of shows are not that good. Then if it's a bad episode two, that's enough. That's it. I'm through. I'm not going to watch. But you say I got to go through four of these suckers before we get to a good one? Well, I kind of felt like it was going to build up to something. And sometimes when I watch a show and it's the themes are kind of um, themes that I care about or, you know, this is about racial inequality and racism. I was like, I'm going to give it a chance. And uh, someone like my husband is like, I'm going to cut bait. But I kind of feel like, well, I already invested two episodes. Unless it's like terrible, I, I try to like hang on to it. And, like, and everybody else is raving about it. I'm like, am I missing something? And <laughs> and, and I, I really did think the first couple episodes were uneven. I'm not one of those people just because everybody else is raving about it. I'm going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I like it, too. I was just like, I just find it uneven. And I kind of feel like it's going all over the place. But episode five kind of made it for me. All right. Well, and how many episodes are in the season? Do you know? Um, I would think there were pop- maybe about 10. That's what I'm thinking. 10. So you're halfway there. Okay, well, that's. Uh, encouraging, I guess you, that'll give you incentive to watch start, the last. Did you start Cobra Kai yet? No, I haven't done anything. I, I'm, I've. Oh yeah, you're watching. Basketball. I'm watching basketball obsessively and loving it. Last night's uh, Celtics game, Celtics. Uh, the Miami Heat are astounding to watch. Watch this transformation of this team into a powerhouse right in front of our our, our face. Just is is really um, a lot of fun for basketball fans. And Jimmy Butler, we should have the basketball episode. D, I got to get some uh, Joe Colley on or something. Jimmy Butler, who used to play for the Bulls, has emerged as a, a superstar in this league. And it's just so gratifying for old Bulls fans. I mean, I wish he was still with the Bulls. They made us bad move when they got rid of him but to see him on the center stage it's just i know a lot of bulls fans are it's as close as we're getting ramana to having anything remotely resembling success so every bulls fan i know is rooting for miami because of jimmy butler and i'm no different and uh so it's a lot of fun watching that so that's what i've been doing although i did i told you this i watched old guard which was a really dumb movie that i liked way too much and um i'm not really recommending it to anybody because i'm embarrassed to say how much i liked it but i really liked it old guard uh, what's her name i always mispronounce it how do i pronounce Char- this charlie's theron yeah, Theron. It's Theron. All right, Romana, thank you very much. Uh, stay safe and sound. Uh, tell Mick to get warmed up and ready to go. He's going to be interviewed in about an hour and a half, and uh, I'm going to be picking his brain about football. I can't wait to do that, all right? Okay. Talk to you later. Have Take a good care. Weekend. That's the great Romana Hussein uh, every Friday in the Ben Jarofsky Show. What you got for, for me, D, before we head out the door? Any updates? Yeah, we do have some updates here. Uh, recently, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker announced that fall time contact sports will be postponed until further notice because of this damn dirty coronavirus. <laughs> well, apparently some sources were saying that the governor was still having discussions into late Thursday night and that the governor is at least reviewing uh, the requests of parents and coaches alike who say, bring back football. But Ben, 
That rumor is false. IHSA Executive Director Craig Anderson joined Bloomington radio station uh, WJBCAM on Friday and shot down the rumors that the IHSA, the Illinois Department of Public Health, and Governor J.B. Pritzker are close to announcing a fall return or a full return of fall sports. Uh, This includes football, girls volleyball, and boys soccer. Uh, Here's the Executive Director Craig Anderson. He said, quote, well, there's an insider out there and that really truly isn't an insider that's really providing some false information to the media and it's quite unfortunate that's what i can share right off the top yeah i uh i think that would make them look pretty bad if they were to retreat like the big 10 uh did flip-flopped uh and uh He would look really bad if he were to flip-flop on this one. uh, And I'm with them. Hold off. They suspended football. Right now, they're talking about bringing it back in the the spring. So see what the world looks like in the spring. Maybe there'll be a magical vaccine that'll just appear. That's the other thing. We didn't even talk about this. Uh, The percentage of Americans who don't trust the vaccine because they don't trust anything having anything to do with Donald Trump. And he's like shoving that vaccine down our throat, wants to get it out there before uh, the election. So that what magically people go, wow, what a great president you are. I think I'll vote for you. Uh, so now so a lot of Americans, definitely Democrats, are I'm not sure about this vaccine. Uh, so, yeah, D, I think it would be a bad move from a health perspective and from a political uh, perspective for uh, Governor Pritzker to suddenly f- to flip flop on something like this. God, that'd be worse than they you know, remember the other. We talk about this all the time. The election where he insisted on having the election on uh, March 17th at the same time. He was saying, stay at home, stay at home. I'm like, go vote, go vote. Huh? What am I, poor Dennis, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> no, but I feel like Pritzker's kind of learned a lot since then. Right. Yeah, I would hope he has. So, JB, come on. You made your decision. Don't be like the Big Ten. Don't flip flop. Just you know, stick with it. All right. And um, I could tell you right now, the people who really feel passionately about this, um, I believe are wrong just from a health standpoint. I know they care so greatly about their kid playing football. And I appreciate that. I, my kids played sports too, and I was really into it. Um, And it would really hurt not to be able to watch them. But I don't know, D playing high school football. You're just asking to spread the virus. Yeah, maybe we can go to the flag football, high school flag football. Maybe that's a little safer, right? I love flag football. Uh, even that, I don't know. Flag football? Well, maybe definitely not two-hand touch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was. Did you ever play flag football, D? Yeah, I played love flag, flag football. Fo- yeah, it's fun. Huh. A lot of fun. Anyway, don't flip-flop, Pritzker. I think it would look worse if you flip-flop. Well, apparently, there's a big uh, flag football game going on in Rock Island. You down? Come on. Let's go, man. <laughs> yeah, let's get in that car right now. And remember, there's a hot dog and grooving time in Rock Island, according to the mayor. Update Rock Island. So we have Thursday night groove concert. Yeah. Get the groove on with the class of 82 on. at Schriever Park. Thursday night groove begins at 6 p.m. with the opening <laughs> of food and beer sales. Woo. Feature will be Rock Island Parks and Recreation concession stand with the brats and hot dogs. Come Ooh. out and enjoy the fun. Baby, I got to get them hot dogs. <laughs> I love those brats, man. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, we want to remind everybody to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews available Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and this week, Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. We're not going to be doing a live show on Tuesday. Got some business to take care of downstate. We will be back with a brand new live show on Wednesday, but go download our interview with Mick Dumkey on Tuesday to hold you over until we get back. Follow us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send the Ben Jarofsky Show an email. We love emails. Show at gmail.com. Make sure to leave your name and where you're from if you'd like us to read your email. You can make up a name. We won't know. You know, it's fine. Just put your name and where you're from and uh, we will read your email. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show. That's correct. 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. We're not going to answer, all right? Hello, Ben Jarofsky Show. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but you can leave us a voicemail and we would love to play that. What Can you imagine me just sitting up all night? Oh, ben Jarofsky Show, who is this? That is hilarious. Just a thought. Please hold. Every- <laughs> that is funny so go download those uh, Benny J bonus interviews follow us on social media leave us an email leave us a voicemail reach out to us and Ben before we head out for the weekend <laughs> we have a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update oh, here we this is a 2020 <laughs> Illinois general election candidate update damn right it is All right, this general election candidate update comes out of the 16th Congressional District and the race between incumbent Adam Kinzinger and his opponent, Ben, for 10 trivia points. Who's Adam? Danny, Danny B. She's going to be on the show next Thursday. Uh, And then I think I'm doing a a Zoom uh, interview with her. Yeah. Wow. Some kind of zoom thing that Lenny set up from the reader. Some kind of zoom thing. You better figure out what this actually is. (laughs) I know I better pull it. Uh, Some kind of zoom thing, but, uh, Danny will be here, uh, week from the 24th Thursday. Yeah. Her name's Danny Brzezowski, uh, of the democratic party going against Adam Kinzinger in the 16th congressional district. And Ben, here's something you can talk about with Danny in your interview. She has an ad out. Yes, it's our first political ad from who Ben calls Danny B, Danny Brzezowski. Let's hear the ad from Danny. Once again, this is out of the 16th Congressional District race. Uh, Adam Kinzinger, the incumbent, Danny the challenger. My dad was in the Army for 25 years, but this place is my home. The people here are my friends, family, and neighbors. I grew up poor. I know what it's like to pay for gas with change from the floorboards, to wear shoes that are too small, to try so hard and come up against barriers you didn't even know were there. And I know what it's like to keep trying anyway. So do all of you. We need jobs and healthcare and help. And too many of us are struggling. We deserve more than Adam Kinzinger is giving us. I'm Danny Drozowski, and I approve this message. Bam! Kinzinger slam. Uh, That is very Lauren uh, Underwood-esque. Heavy emphasis on that she's from the area. Uh, heavy emphasis that she fits right in with everybody else, and heavy emphasis on healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. That was the ticket for Lauren Underwood, and uh, looks like Danny's trying the same thing out. So, uh, work in 2018. We talked about this before, D. Like the recipe for 2018. It's uncertain. Will it apply to 2020? Uh, we shall see. We shall 
see. Once again, the 16th Congressional District race. Uh, Ben's going to be talking with Danny B. Dan Brzozowski uh, next week, so be on the lookout for that as well. And that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. (laughs) Ben Jarofsky, take us home. I just like the update, update. I want to thank Ramon Hussein. Outstanding job as always. Every Friday on the Ben Jarofsky Show. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. As Danny B and Ramon will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week. Best concert? Yeah, Steve Miller Band and the Eagle. The enemy is you. Rock Island. We have Thursday night groove concert. Get your groove on with the class of 82 at Schreiber Park. Thursday night groove begins at 6 p.m. with the opening of food and beer sales. Featured will be Rock Island Parks and Recreation concession stand with the brats and hot dogs. Come out and enjoy the fun. Rock Island Citywide Garage Sale. Garage sales will be happening all over Rock Island and Milan the weekend of September 26th. Rock Island Park and Recreation has an interactive map to show you where they are located. Visit the interactive Google map at http that slash slash bit.ly slash ri garage sale map to view the continuous view. Continually updated locations. That's correct. 